The information contained on the Real Health Podcast and the resources mentioned are for educational purposes only. They are not intended as and shall not be understood or construed as medical or health advice. The information contained on this podcast is not a substitute for medical or health advice from a professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. Information provided by hosts and guests on the Real Health Podcast or the use of any products or services mentioned does not create a practitioner-patient relationship between you and any persons affiliated with this podcast. This is the Real Health Podcast brought to you by Reardon Clinic. Our mission is to bring you the latest information and top experts in functional and integrative medicine to help you make informed decisions on your path to real health. Well, welcome everyone. This is Dr. Ron Hunting-Hockey. I'm the Chief Medical Officer here at the Reardon Clinic, and we're having another episode of the Real Health Podcast. And I'm very thrilled today that our guest is Mr. Kashif Khan. And uh, Kashif is the, uh, he's an author, he's a speaker, and I like that he's a visionary entrepreneur in the field of DNA and epigenetics. And so today we're going to be talking about how uh, epigenetics has the possibility of revolutionizing our health choices. So let's talk a little bit about that. People have heard that DNA and genetics is the key. What's the missing piece here? What, what does your company have that is going to help people understand themselves a bit better and achieve a higher level of health? Well, I think everybody can ask themselves, how much do you understand yourself? Have you used your genetics as a tool? The answer is typically no. Right. And, and because the tool was too hard to use until now. And this research was being funded so, somewhat disease centric, like, hey, you got an 80% chance of Alzheimer's. Good luck. Is that really going to drive the needle on my health outcomes? Right. Uh, and, and that's why people shied away from genetics. It's more like, I don't want to know. Mm. Uh, so what we learned is that's genetics. Here's what version of what gene you have, and here's a risk that it may point to. What we built is what we call functional genomics. Same as medicine versus functional medicine. Medicine is here's a diagnosis and here's a pill. Functional medicine is why did you get sick in the first place? Right? What, what did you do wrong? What did you eat wrong? What did you smell wrong? What, what lifestyle choice was wrong? So same thing with functional genomics okay, we see a risk for Alzheimer's, but what is the action plan? Is it insulin-based? Is it inhalation-based because of your bad detox and what you breathe? Is it because of your anti-inflammatory response? Is it because of your lipid transport? So now we can actually build a plan looking at the biochemistry of the body that aligns to whether there's a problem you're trying to solve or just to live a healthier life that's actionable as opposed to this you got 80% chance of Alzheimer's, good luck, which is what people think genetics is. So it's, it's gone far beyond that now. Yeah, I used to work in a doctor's office where we had a program called WellPlan. And, mm. uh, it, and it was the beginning of functional medicine. It was uh, taking and doing assessments of people in terms of their diet and did they exercise and how did they handle stress. But from what I understand, be with this information, you can go much deeper and get into much more of a detailed understanding of each unique individual's 
dietary factors, metabolic factors, detoxification pathways. Is that, is that going to be more than what people can understand or is this, is this information hard to get to? So the majority of genetics we don't need to know about in terms of how do I make a change in my functional pathways, hormones, brain chemicals, metabolic pathways, like you mentioned, should I be a keto diet? Should I be vegan? Like all those questions, that stuff is actually really easy to understand. And that's the biggest part of healthcare, chronic disease. Yep. Things that we don't need to have that we all have because we don't make the right choices. So some of those choices are obvious, some of them are counterintuitive. There's some people where we have to tell them you should not be doing cardiovascular exercise because it's going to cause you cardiovascular disease. Counterintuitive. But we don't say that to everybody. We say that to some people. So really, what are we saying? Your genes are instructions that tell your cells how to do all the jobs that they need to do. So there's 50 trillion cells that make up this body that we walk around in. Each one has tons and tons of things that it needs to do. Heart cells read the heart instruction page, liver cells read the liver instruction page, and they go do their job. What we're able to identify is if the job is not being instructed properly. Which job? You know, Is it that there's a certain gene that instructs, for example, detoxification of the gut? And maybe you have the bad version of that gene. So we now know that your red flag and the thing you need to prioritize is what's going in your stomach. And maybe somebody else doesn't need to prioritize that. Not that we should all eat garbage, but you get the point is that we, we now know what to focus on. So if you now know what to focus on, it becomes actionable. And that's how we think of DNA. It's not a gene equals a disease. It's more a gene equals a job that your body does. And if you understand the job, you know all the potential problems that could come out of that. So the Reardon Clinic at one point was called the Center for the Improvement of Human Functioning. And that's what you're saying, is that if yeah. we understand functional genomics, we can understand what makes us as a unique person uh, vulnerable and what we can do about that vulnerability so that we don't step into the mud, so that we stay out of the uh, the, the bad habits if we know more about our genes. So maybe could, could you give us a, a kind of like a real life situation? I understand yeah. this situation uh, with your, your niece. She had a, a lot of anxiety. So how would functional genomics be of assistance to someone who's dealing with anxiety, let's say? So her story is the reason why we went from a, a research company to a sort of public facing, we believe everybody needs this, right? So we were a research company. We were learning about the genome, partnering with other healthcare companies, developing insights, saying we could help with diabetes, we could help with whatever. But eventually it's like, no, everybody needs this tool in their hand to self-serve. So my niece um, had an anxiety attack. You know, she lives with my mom and my sister and she collapsed and couldn't breathe. And I went over there, called a friend who's a pediatrician and said, yeah, sounds like a classic anxiety attack, but it also sounds like she's feeling better now. If it happens again, let me know. So it happened again. <laughs> <laughs> and when it happened again, this time my mom called me frantically because my niece fell over and, and hurt herself. And they thought that she broke her leg because she couldn't walk. So I call my pediatrician friend. He gets me into a clinic um, and we spent a long time there, blood tests, x-rays, et cetera. 
And the short answer was, if it happens again, let us know. Oh, man. That's literally the same. And at that point, I knew what that meant. It meant that if it happens again, she's getting a prescription, you know, and there's an anxiety condition that needs to be managed. So I thought, okay, I'm going to dive into her DNA and figure this out because I, I had her genome sequence and I just didn't think about anxiety at that time. And, you know, just like everybody else, I'm not a superhero. I got busy and went back to work and I didn't do it. Oh, right. Okay. So then, fast forward. My mom calls me again, crying, saying your niece has run away from home. Hmm. And this is shocking because if you met this girl, sweet, innocent, completely out of character, you know, we would never think. So I head over there. She's literally standing outside because that's it for her is running away from home, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. And I asked her like, what's, is it a bully? Is it, you know, social media, what's going on? And she didn't know. So she was like running away from that space, that feeling. She didn't know what to do. Right. So that's when I literally had my office, like email me her report right now. I'm in the car with her looking at it. And I did exactly what we just said. I didn't look for anxiety. I looked for what are the jobs that her body's not doing well? And what I noticed was that her hormone cascade was completely off, meaning that, um, you know, the, the beginning of the menstrual cycle is when you have the least hormones and she was falling off a cliff. Like it, she didn't get to zero. She went to negative a hundred. Right. Uh -huh. So then I, I called my mom and my sister. I said, can you tell me, you know, about where she was in the menstrual cycle at the time you called? And I noticed that they were calling me like clockwork monthly. Right. It was like every 25, 30 days approximately. So they said, yeah, you know, you're right. It was right at the beginning of her cycle that this happened, like the day it started or a day or two in. They said, okay, hormones, let's park that for a second. Why did it start now? Because she's had her menstrual cycle for over a year. This happened during peak COVID in Toronto, which had one of the worst lockdowns in the world, in the winter, where she was indoors and hadn't been in the sunshine for like five months, right? Yeah. And I then looked at her vitamin D pathway and saw that the metabolism, the, the metabolic pathway for vitamin D is more complex than any other micronutrient because it's so important, but it is also potentially toxic if you have too much. So your body manages it with very careful, you know, three steps. One is D2 needs to be drawn from the sun, converted to D3. There's a gene that does that. You then need to transport that active D3 to the cell. There's a gene that does a gene that does that. Then you need to you need to then bind it. At the, at the cell to actually use it, there's a gene that does that. So that allows your body to manage levels better. All three of these jobs she did horribly. Mm. Didn't metabolize, didn't transport, didn't bind. So she needs a lot more vitamin D than regular people and she needs a consistent drip, not just your morning shot, right? So then hormones are off. This key other hormone, vitamin D is actually a hormone which regulates so much of your body is also off. Why did it express as a mood issue? So dopamine is the chemical that allows you to experience pleasure. Mm -hmm. And it also allows you to experience reward, satisfaction from work. The DRD2 gene determines the density of the receptors in your brain. So to what level of intensity do you actually experience pleasure from the same exact act as the person standing right next to you? She has the lowest possible density. Then there's the clearance of dopamine, which is triggered by a gene called COMT, that once you're done with that pleasure, you need to go back to normal. So COMT comes and gets rid of the dopamine for you. She does that super fast. Ah. 
She so she feels it way down here, and she has the fastest possible comp gene, so it doesn't last long enough. So she was already teetering on the world sucks, nothing feels good, I can't get no satisfaction, right? Then you add take all my vitamin D away, so my brain now has this key hormone missing. Then you add put this in the context of my hormone cycle where it's at the worst possible. I'm going to have anxiety on that day anyway. And it was triggering this catastrophic, perfect storm. Yeah. So what would have happened is a prescription and she would probably still be on it today. Right. Instead, what happened is I understood the biological failure, not the, not the condition, not the name it was given. And all I did was give her high dose vitamin D 10,000 IU um, in the first week of her cycle and then 5,000 and then 2,500 maintenance. And we cycled that, right? And even that was split three times in the day. It wasn't one dose because she doesn't transport and bind efficiently, hmm. right? That was one. Second thing I gave her was L-theanine to boost dopamine, right? Right. right. A simple supplement you can buy from any store. That was it. After that, this problem has never happened once again. Right. Right. Never once. And she would have been an anxiety patient still today. There's a lot more to this conversation, and it's coming up right after a quick break. Today's podcast is brought to you by Live On Labs, makers of liposomal vitamins and supplements. Live On uses a liposomal encapsulation technology to protect nutrients from destruction in the digestive system. This allows for more efficient delivery of essential vitamins and nutrients. Choose from various supplements that support health and well-being, such as lipospheric vitamin C, magnesium, glutathione, and more. To learn more, visit liveonlabs. That's L-I-V-O-N labs.com. Yeah, another good example that while you're talking, uh, the, the, whole, the whole story of methylation is a big yeah. factor in this. And my wife... Both of her parents were had the MTHFR six seven seven, and so she had a over a seventy percent reduction in this particular uh, gene that was necessary for her to process folic acid properly. And because right. of that, her, she was uh, she never could get the right neurotransmitters. She uh, would oftentimes be depressed. She had fibromyalgia type stuff. And she ended up getting breast cancer because she also could not detoxify very well. And so just by correcting the B vitamins, getting the right amount of methylfolate, uh, also some B6 and some uh, B12, she uh, is now a 22-year survivor uh, in much better shape. Now, that wasn't just that quick. I mean, you know, this is where I think it's nice to have a, you know, we refer to our patients as co-learners. I'm mm. working with them. I'm learning about them. They're learning about themselves. And together we form a team where we can sort through this material and help the, uh, the co-learner find the right combinations of nutrients that would fit their, their genetic makeup. So I assume that's similar to what you're doing with the, the exactly. DNA way. So yeah. like even in within methylation, it allows you to be so precise. So even when you say, for example, B12, okay, is it methylcobalamin? Is it adenosyl? Because there's genes that will term, determine not only B12, but what version do you need? There's a gene called FUT2, F-U-T2, that will determine, do you actually need your B12 sublingual under your tongue? 
because your ancestors didn't eat beef. So they never developed the ability to metabolize B12 in their gut. And you're taking a B12 capsule and you're just peeing it out, right? So we can get really, really hyper precise uh, using the genome, not about everything, but about some of the most impactful stuff, right? Does your test results kind of go into this in terms of not only what particular supplements or what types of foods or what types of activity, but are you able to, from that person's genomic report, are you, are you able to break it down like you just said and give yeah. them a specific prescription? So that was one of the key things that I learned because keep in mind, the reason why we're doing this is because I was sick yeah. and I used my genome to heal myself. So I also went through the experience of using every genetic test and seeing how hard they were to use and how there was a lack of action. And unless you knew somebody like yourself that could interpret it and figure it out and tell you what to do, it was really just gibberish, right? So what we what we realized, there's two things. We need to make this functional. So it's, it's less about the disease, it's more about the pathway in, in the way we've been describing with my niece, for example. Mm-hmm. Second thing, it needs to be really, really easy to use. That's one major Boy, that's that, a, ma- that is the major thing in this field of epigenetics is that people have a hard time assimilating yeah. it into their particular circumstances. Exactly. And so that's where I didn't have a PhD build the reports. I designed the reports because I'm the layman that needs to understand them. Hmm. And I designed them in the way that I wish they were when I started this journey, which is don't tell me what version of a gene I have. Use the word anxiety. And then tell me exactly what to do about it. Use the word keto diet and tell me yes or no. Right. And then explain why. By the way, also give me the science, because if I decide to spend some time and geek out on a weekend, I can. But it's got to be easy, easy, easy. And the recommendations have to be built right in. So we learned that it's one thing to tell you here's what's wrong. It's a second thing to tell you here's how to fix it. But there's a whole other layer of the behavior change and actually doing the work. So after we built the reports, we worked with a gentleman named Dr. BJ Fogg, brilliant man. He wrote the book, Tiny Habits. He runs the Stanford University Behavioral Change Lab. So he's a sort of a guru when it comes to habit change, right? Yeah. So he then wrote the other half of the reports, which is now that you know what we're telling you, maybe you should consider adopting these habits. Maybe you should consider removing these habits. Maybe you should consider avoiding these things. So it's written in a way where it's almost like, here's your game plan, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so maybe we should go to some basics uh, because probably people don't know how you collect this data. And yeah. so, so uh, I know I'm aware of it, but kind of walk people through if they were interested in finding out more about their genetics using... The DNA way is that is that what you refer to? Yeah, so the DNA way is our the book, and we we just put that out um, because what we understood the thing same thing I said about my niece and the mission, which is everybody needs to know about this, right? Everybody needs to know that there's an instruction manual inside you that's already telling you what to do. You don't need to go through the trial and error and one size fits all and all the failures. Like do it right the first time. And so I wrote this book. Uh, because regardless of someone has been tested or not, at least they can start to think that way and they can start to recognize by me telling my story and how I healed myself that, oh, now I get what, what I was doing wrong and how I should actually think, right? So that's one. The test itself is at the dnacompany.com. So the DNA way is the book, the DNA company, um, and it's called the 360 test. And it's, yeah, for, from there, the other thing we've done 
is we realized um, people have specific problems they need to solve. You know, some people just want to be optimal. Like, just tell me what are the best things for me so I can live an extra 10 years. Some people are like, no, my mom had breast cancer and I don't want that. Right. Or my hair is falling out. I don't get what happened. So there's problems need to be solved. So we, we have these report, report review sessions um, where anybody can jump in and they're open to any one of our clients that has a test in their hand where we dive deep into the reports in a group setting uh, and people can ask questions like live Q&A right there on the spot. So it gives people a lot, a lot of sort of in-depth value in terms of, I don't really need the gene report. I need someone to tell me what to do. <laughs> right. That's really what people want. So, uh, but we need the gene report in order to tell you what to do. So we've, we've designed it really around, I wish this is what it was like when I started. So people go ahead and collect these, the uh, mucus. Yeah, saliva. Yeah. Sal so it's a, so a kit gets shipped to you. You're literally spitting into a tube. So it's about five milliliter of saliva, a little bit of saliva. You close the kit, it gets shipped back to our lab. The lab then extracts DNA from your saliva. Every cell in your body has DNA. Uh, we then sequence it. That means we're like literally reading it and in the way that we want to read it. You know, there's, there's different ways to interpret and sequence DNA. So we've done what we think is important. There's certain genes, for example, that it's possible to have what's called a copy number variation, which most genetic testing companies don't test for. What does that mean? It's not just about the SNP or variant or mutation that you hear about, like this gene is different than it's supposed to be. It's like, do I even have the gene? What if it's missing, mm. right? Mm. And most companies don't look for that. And that's so impactful. Um, and it's and that happens in some of the most important pathways in our body, detox, glucuronidation, which is like hormone detox and mold detox. It happens in, um, it, you also see uh, insertion or deletions, I should say, which is like a paragraph or a chunk of the gene is missing. So anyways, there's more to genes than just a SNP or a spelling mistake. And so that then gets uploaded into our portal where each person gets notified, log in, here's your results. And it's all self-serve. You can read it, you can understand it. But if you have specific problems to solve, join the group session and you can ask whatever you want. Is it very expensive? Most people want to know, is it much, is it very much of an expense? Uh, yeah, it's, it, so it's $499, $500, right? Um, what we can do, by the way, because I know um, yeah, well, I sort of value everyone putting their time in here today and we're all here to learn, but we can create a, a discount for your audience. Just everyone that's listening, let's keep it, uh, you know, within the, the community. <laughs> uh, we can call it real health, if that makes sense, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. So so the dnacompany.com is where the test is. If you type in the dnacompany.com forward slash real health, uh, we'll, we'll make sure that everyone gets a discount there. I want to honor everyone's time for being here today, yeah. so we'll do that. Well, I'm thrilled that you've been on the program because I think this is an incredibly, incredibly important tool that gets underused. We, we use another company, but I'd like to see how yours works out because I, all the companies I've looked at, the big problem has been interpretation and implementation. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter how great the test is if the person, if the patient, the co-learner cannot take that information and put it into their own life, their own situation, it's it's just information. It's not yeah. it's not transformation. We want transformation for the better, not just information. Yeah, in data, data is dumb unless you know what to ask it. 
right? And you have to ask, and we don't know what question to ask our DNA. We don't even know what's possible for the most part. So we've done that work. We've And one thing I should tell everybody, the reason why we have these insights is we spent three years studying 7,000 people. So one by one by one in clinic, we met with individuals uh, and actually supported them through their health journey to learn what does all this stuff mean? Like, how does it apply? When I see 80% chance of Alzheimer's, that very first thing we see said, sorry, why did 20% not get it? Yeah. If, a, if a gene is so certain, what were the 20% doing right? And that comes down to the epigenetics, the inputs of environment, nutrition, lifestyle. So that's what people need to be coached on. Based on your genes, here's a red flag. Now here's what your habits should look like. So you're in the 20% versus the 80. Boy, would this lend itself to AI? Have you guys thought about AI? Yeah, we're, we're doing that right now. You know, we're, we're literally doing that right now. So the intention is to keep making it easier and easier and easier. So what I'm, in fact, the call that I was on prior to jumping on with you was with our tech team to look at some of the AI specs. And what we're trying to make it is that the AI interprets the way we do, which is not genetics, it's functional, so that you can just ask any question you want. Because right. keep in mind, your DNA doesn't change. It's permanent, right? Right. So two years from now, there may be a different thing you're dealing with, right? Maybe to, right now it's like, I have no energy. And two years from now, it's like, I want to climb my, Mount Kilimanjaro. How do I get my body ready? Exactly. Right? So now you go back to the same DNA because it hasn't changed to ask it a different question. How do I deal with recovery? How do I deal with my testosterone? You know, so, and you can keep going back and keep going back because your DNA doesn't change. So that's why we want to build the AI so that you permanently have access because you don't, you do the test once, but it informs you for a lifetime. Fantastic. Well, I'm so excited you've been on our program. I hope our audience really gets how monumental this is in terms of charting a new path towards a better healthier life with a, a greater sense of well-being to to support you in all of your endeavors so thank you so much for being on our our real health program and best of luck to you and we'll, we'll try to stay in touch with you as this goes forward pleasure good to be with you thanks thank you for listening to the real health podcast if you enjoyed this episode be sure to subscribe and leave us a review you can also find all of the episodes and show notes over at realhealthpodcast.org. Also, be sure to visit reardonclinic.org where you will find hundreds of videos and articles to help you create your own version of real health.